0: Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to continue with our search for truth as we probe Jesus' famous and favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God. We've been talking about the 24th chapter of Matthew, the great Olivet Discourse known as the Anchor of All Prophecy. In that famous extended discourse, Jesus gave an outline of the signs of the times which could be expected prior to his great arrival in power and glory, to establish the kingdom of God on this earth. I have to remind you that Jesus is coming back to this earth, and that stupendous event is going to be indeed his second coming. It's not that he's just going to pay a visit and whisk people off to heaven, as we sometimes hear taught. Jesus is coming back. Zechariah 14 verse 4 says that his feet will stand in that day on the Mount of Olives. Jesus, you remember, promised the elect and the faithful that they would inherit the earth, Matthew 5, verse 5. In Revelation 5, verse 10, we read that they're going to reign on the earth. That's to say, all the faithful of all the ages, all of those who have believed the gospel of the kingdom and the things concerning the name of Jesus Christ, people drawn from all races and tongues and nations, have been formed into a body of believers, and as Revelation 5, verse 10 says, they are going to reign as kings upon the earth. That doesn't sound as though the earth is going to disappear, or indeed that the Christians are going to disappear to some super-celestial region far removed from this planet. Quite specifically, the promise of the reward to the faithful is this. They are going to be kings with Messiah and reign upon the earth. Revelation 5, verse 10. Indeed, the Messiah in many passages in the Hebrew Bible is destined to reappear in Jerusalem. That's the geographical Jerusalem that can be located on the map today. Of course, that Jerusalem in the times of the future Messiah, as he returns, as he returns, that is, from heaven, from the right hand of the Father, that geographical Jerusalem will look very different at that future period when Christ reigns on the earth. But Jesus will indeed be in Jerusalem on a renewed earth. Listen to the verse in Jeremiah 23, verse 5. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, that's a reference to the Messiah, and he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land, in the land, in the promised land, of course, in Israel, not in some far-off region removed from this planet. It's quite amazing that people would think that Jesus is only coming to pick people off the earth and take them to heaven. He's coming back to the earth. That's what he promised. How else could that verse in Revelation 5 verse 10 possibly be true? It states in unequivocal terms that the righteous are going to reign as kings upon the earth. Well, we know that they're going to be with Christ at that time. 1 Thessalonians 4 says it plainly, So we shall ever be with the Lord. And where are we going to be? We're going to be reigning as kings on the earth. It must follow, therefore, that Jesus will have to be on the earth. Otherwise, how could we be with him? Jesus, as we know, promised to go to heaven, that's some 2,000 years ago, and to prepare a place for us in the future kingdom. And if I do that, he said, I will come back and take you to be with me, so that where I am, you also may be. And where are we going to be? Well, Revelation chapter 5, verse 10 has the answer. We're going to be reigning as kings on the earth. It must follow, therefore, logically that Jesus will be on the earth. How else could we possibly be with him? If we are on the earth and he's off there in heaven, that would not mean that we could be with the Lord forever. Jesus is coming back, he said. He went to prepare a place for us, that's to say a place in the future kingdom, the kingdom prepared from the foundation of the world but he's coming back as he said in John chapter 14 and verse 3. Now that future arrival of Jesus Christ in power and glory is going to be a spectacular event, a dazzling display of divine power. You'll remember in Acts chapter 1 verse 11 that they saw Jesus disappear from the earth and in like manner the text there in Acts 1 verse 11 says he will come He will come back just as they saw him go. They saw him go quite visibly until the clouds concealed him from their sight, but he will reappear on the earth. His feet will stand in that day on the Mount of Olives. Zechariah 14 verse 4 says, It's absolutely certain that Jesus is coming back to this earth and he's going to remain on this earth as the legitimate descendant of the house of David destined to occupy the throne of David in Jerusalem forever. That was predicated of Jesus, of course, right from the time of his birth, in fact, before his birth, where the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and said that your son is going to be the lawful descendant of David, and he will rule over the house of Jacob, because as the angel said, the Lord is going to give him the throne of his father David. Every Jew of that day knew full well that the throne of David was going to be located in Jerusalem. It's incredible to think that the throne of David would be in heaven. No Jew could have imagined such a thing. All the texts in the Hebrew Bible and the prophets of Israel had declared unanimously that the Messiah would reside on the throne of David. To say that the throne of David would be removed to heaven would be rather like saying that the throne of England has now gone to Russia. It's an incredible thing. Nobody could have believed it, and a great deal of exposition and explanation would have been required. To tell the people that the throne of David was no longer to be expected in Jerusalem would have been to contradict the whole of their scriptures, and the people would have rejected that as a false teaching. Now Jesus gave a detailed account of the events to happen on the earth prior to his second coming. These verses in Matthew 24, the anchor of prophecy, are to be kept alive as of chief interest to Christians of all ages. We may not live to see these events, who knows the exact time of the coming of Christ? No one does. We may not live to see the actual events which Jesus detailed in Matthew 24. But we are to rehearse these wonderful teachings of Jesus in the 24th chapter of Matthew and make sure that our children understand them so that they can pass them on, if necessary, to their children until the time comes when Christ actually returns to establish the kingdom. We had arrived in a previous program at verse 14. Matthew 24. In that verse, Jesus said that the gospel of the kingdom is going to be heralded worldwide as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. And the end in question, of course, was the end of the age, the time when the kingdom of God will be set up in the future. It was about that end of the age that the disciples had questioned Jesus in the third verse of Matthew 24. And so now in Matthew 24, verse 15, Jesus gets to the point quite specifically. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let him who is on the housetop not go down to get the things out that are in his house. And let him who is in the field not turn back to get his cloak. And woe to those who are with child and to those who nurse babes in those days. But pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on a Sabbath day. And I pause there to mention that flight out of Jerusalem on a Sabbath day would be difficult. It's not that the Christians would necessarily be keeping the Sabbath, but the Jews in Jerusalem certainly would be keeping the Sabbath and they would lock the doors and make transportation problematic on the Sabbath day. And, of course, conditions in the winter would make flight out of Jerusalem even more hazardous. And then in verse 21, Jesus introduced the topic of a great tribulation. For then there will be a great tribulation, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever shall. And unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. And the elect, of course, as everywhere else in the New Testament refer to the Christian people. The Christians will note are on the earth during this great tribulation period. It is a considerable mistake to imagine that all Christian disciples will have been removed out of this time of trouble. There is a theory that they will all be taken to heaven, and so they would watch all of these events from a kind of gallery in heaven. But that's absolutely not true to this text, because the elect are to beware of events, of false preachers and false miracles, occurring during the period of tribulation. Why, indeed, would Jesus urge his followers, his Christian followers, to flee when they see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, if, in fact, they were to expect to be removed from heaven before that event happened? It makes no sense at all. There's no evidence here at all in the teaching of Jesus, or anywhere else, that the Christians can expect to be removed physically from the earth prior to the time of the great tribulation. Jesus went on to say, I've told you all of this in advance. And one of the things he tells us in advance here is that Christians must endure tribulation right to the end. They must act when they see the abomination of desolation arriving in the temple. They must take action and ensure their own safety by flight from Jerusalem. Jesus went on in verse 26 of Matthew 24 to warn that some would say, Behold, the Messiah is in the wilderness. But if they hear rumors like that, they are not to go forth. Others might say, He's in the inner rooms. But you're not to believe them, Jesus said. Matthew 24, verse 26. And then he described the nature of the second coming. Now, is this to be a secret and silent event? By no means. In verse 27, Jesus says, For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. The second coming of Christ, in other words, will be just as external an event as lightning, just as visible as lightning as it flashes across the sky. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, Jesus went on to say in verse 29, did you catch that? Immediately after the tribulation of those days, that little phrase, immediately after, has given some Bible readers a great deal of trouble, but there's no need for this. It's a transparently simple connection. Immediately after, with no event intervening, after the tribulation of those days, the one described in verse 21 onwards, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory, and he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect, that's to say the Christian believers of all nations, and of course at the same time he will be raising the dead so that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, who are currently dead, will be raised to life in order to participate in the kingdom of God to be established precisely by this great second coming event. And so here we see the angels gathering from the four corners of the earth, from one end of the sky to the other, all the elect, so that they may take part in the great kingdom about to be established. Our time is running out for today. We invite you to request from us an article connecting Matthew 24 with Daniel. In addition, we offer you our free book on the kingdom of God for your personal Bible study at home. We invite you to check our findings carefully in Scripture as you ponder these great teachings of Jesus. Join us again for our continued discussion of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.